Welcome to the DC Yoga Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Parkinson, and we're here at the HeartCast Media Studios in downtown Washington, DC, uh, with producer Molly today. My guest this morning is Alicia Moyer. Uh, you can find her on the web at livingyogadc.com and also on Instagram at livingyogadc. She's a yoga teacher in the nation's capital and has been for 10 years at this point. Just about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I'm really excited to have her today because um, I've been, uh, or I first came into contact with Alicia's class about six years ago, back when she was teaching at Stroga. And I uh, really loved uh, her class and really loved her style and her energy in class. And I thought she would be a perfect guest to be on our podcast uh, because I remember talking with her uh, several times back then about yoga and I uh, was always fascinated about her point of view. Uh, so welcome, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It's an honor. So what do you remember about uh, Stroga? Do you remember teaching back there? Oh, my goodness. It was a hot minute I was there. It's lucky you caught me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really remember much. Um, I taught just once a week there. It was fun because it was such a big, beautiful room, and um, the energy there was just infectious. And then we started the yoga co-op, the DC mm -hmm. yoga co-op there. So it was fun to teach there um, you know, several times to... I don't know, 80 people or something. Yeah. A ton of people could fit in that room. Um, and people sort of wanted to move and breathe there. They weren't, you know, it was, they were quick classes, like 50 minutes. Yeah. I had never taught in 50 minutes before, so that was a new skill I developed. <laughs> Not sure it's the skill that I needed to develop, but... Yeah, it is uh, that, that sort of cookie-cutter class that you, you have to have, sort of have, if you're going to be teaching at, like, gyms and, and other places where they have the 55-minute class. Yeah, yeah. And I've evolved since then, so um, I guess if that was six years ago, um, my classes were probably a little faster, a little um, more high-energy, a um, little more focused on a good playlist and a, and a fun time. Um, I've learned a lot since then um, about movement and science and <laughs> feel like as I'm aging, um, I sort of think of it as like when you're younger and life feels like it's moving really quickly, like in your 20s. I see it in my daughter. She's about eight. Mm -hmm. She just wants to, you know, kind of speed things up because life feels slow to her <laughs> mm -hmm. like she wants to get older um, so she moves more quickly um, and as you get older and life feels like it's going really quickly and um, you want it to slow down everything else sort of you you spend a lot of time in that that peaceful sort of place do you think that's a consequence of actual aging or do you think that's a consequence of the yoga in other words, being present with, with yoga, or do you think it's actually something that we all feel as we get older? That's a great question. I guess I'll never know, yeah, right? Because, I, I mean, I've been doing this practice now for um, about, this is like my 20th anniversary, I think, yeah. of my first class. Um, so I won't know what my life would have been like without it. Um, I'm certainly grateful I found it when I did. Um, but I do see, you know, I do see a sort of a trend in older people wanting to do things more slowly. Um, and I think that's great. I mean, I, you know, there's a time and a place for all of the, the ways in which to enter in this practice. And, mm -hmm. um, I still have young people coming to my class, so it's not age specific necessarily, yeah. but take us back to that, uh, that first yoga class. If you remember it. Mm. Um, so I was living in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, uh, in a previous life, I was a librarian, so I went to library school in, in Austin, um, and
and had a pretty stressful um, job there. I'm trying to think if I was working or still in school at that point. Um, the class was at a community center. <laughs> I think it cost $7. Mm-hmm. Um, the teacher was a self-taught, um, sort of a Yangar-based teacher. Um, he was great. It was um, maybe 10 people, and uh, the props were all sort of makeshift, you know, like, let's use this as a block. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with a friend who, you know, suggested that it would help me with some some back issues I was experiencing from jogging. And um, I didn't love it. I was really stiff. I had not stretched since I had been like a little child. And um, I found it really painful and really um, sort of humbling, you know, like had thought I had been relatively fit at that point in my life mm-hmm. compared to how I'd been like you're like I'm a runner so exactly, like there's nothing like, I can't do yeah. I don't know I just didn't think I, and there wasn't a lot of um you know there wasn't a lot of yoga at that point that was being um, widely available so you you sort of found it where you could find it um pretty soon after that so I went back to that class for like a year Mm. and then at some point he started chanting which when I look back I think it's hilarious because that's such a big part of my practice now yeah um I was not ready yes (laughs) it's like I paid seven dollars for this class and he's wasting my time um so I you know it's shameful really when I look back I'm like I could have you know, sped up things for myself, but, um, you're just not ready when you're not ready. Exactly. Um, so I found a Bikram studio after that and did Bikram for about a year. Um, which I think I, to this day, I look at that as a wonderful gateway practice for people who are stiffer. Um, I needed the heat to, um, kind of loosen some stuff up that I wasn't, I wasn't, I was gripping onto. Yeah. Um, and it feels good. The, the, the heat, especially for athletes, Yeah, you want to feel like you're, um, you're working, like mm-hmm. you're working out. And a lot of people don't feel sort of that they don't feel in their body unless they feel sweat pouring down their face. And so, especially at the beginning yeah. when you first start taking yoga. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I started noticing that I would, well, there was another reason I did it, which was that they had a 60 day challenge for $60. And uh, I think I was still a student at that point. Cause I was like, that's, I, I have $60. <laughs> so, right. so I did that and went every day for 60 days and then I never went back. Um, went back into a class and felt kind of nauseous and I was, it was like I had burned through it and right. you know, that sort of tapas, I didn't, I didn't need it anymore. Um, and I also noticed that I only felt better when I was in class and I wasn't connecting the dots. It was like, I had to go back and feel better and then I would leave, and the next day I was like, ah, I'm stiff, I need to go to yoga, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't think it was actually a good fit for my body, which turns out is, um, I'm not hypermobile, but I actually have a lot of mobility in my joints, and once things started moving, that became an issue, so. So what did you, what did you, did you like the Bikram practice then? Like, did you like the sequence? You know, um, or you just felt like that great rush afterwards of like, you know, just getting it all out. And I didn't really have much to compare it to except for that other class that was a very um, form based class. It was Hatha Yoga and it was really um, it was a very different experience. So that that first teacher, it was almost like a dialogue. It was a conversation that we had in the class. He's like, you know, back and forth. We asked a lot of questions. Um, you know, in, in some ways it was a much more advanced practice, but it didn't feel hard in the same way. Um, I didn't love 
the routine of the Bikram practice. So it turns out I, I really like a lot of um, variety in, mm-hmm. in my movement um, diet, as Katie Bowman would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know, I didn't have, I didn't have another example at that point of like what that could look like in yoga. Um, and so I, a lot of people like that routine of doing the same sequence and then they sort of look at themselves and measure their growth in that, you know, in this sort of container. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't, uh, when I look back, it's, it wasn't a complete practice for me. The, um, I don't think there's any inversions. Um, no. right. So I, once I f- learned how to go upside down, I, that became such a necessary way for me to shift and, um, you know, you shift your perspective literally, but mm-hmm. I, it just, things started opening up and changing particularly like down the main energy channel. Um, so I don't think it was getting me where I, I really eventually went with a yoga practice. So where did you go after Bikram then? Was there, so, um, because I feel like at that time, right, we're talking about the late nineties, early two thousands, like there's Bikram is kind of, what people associate with yoga. Yeah. At that point there's Bikram yoga and there's, you know, there's power yoga, there's Ashtanga, but that's not really nearly as popular as Bikram. Most people just associate yoga with Bikram at that point. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I, I found some vinyasa classes there. Um, I'm not even, I mean, it was, I was so new to it that I don't even know what it was called. I mean, I think it actually was a version of flow yoga, Mm -hmm. um, and found a little studio, that was near my house and I could walk there and, um, and I would go like periodically. So I was doing, I was running a lot more back then. So you were just using it as a way to stretch from running basically. Yeah. I was using it to support my running. I was not, I had no real desire to get better at yoga. (laughs) Right. Um, which I always, I'm fascinated when people come to class and they want to get good at yoga postures. I, especially now sort of come full circle where I, it's almost like I bypassed that whole period. Cause there was a time when I did want to get better at yoga postures, but that came later. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also fascinated equally by the people who say they're not flexible enough to do yoga. Right. Oh, I know. Oh. Like, well, how do you think you're going to get flexible? <laughs> <I know>. like, <laughs> Please come. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, yeah. And I, I think I sort of really didn't think of it as something that you advanced at. Like it really was a supportive, you know, and I was running a lot of ran with my dog back then. And, um, I don't know. I just didn't. And I was, I wasn't super young. Like I was in my late twenties when I first came to the practice. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was in this stage of life where, um, I don't know. I had already seen, seen some stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't so young that I was wide eyed and needed a lot of like messaging at that point. Um, little did I know I was like about to go through like a huge life transformation. I was married at that time and was about to get divorced. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I wasn't really looking to yoga to be like a spiritual practice or any of that. Like it just was, you know, kind of a nice way to stretch. And then this one, this vinyasa class that I found, um, I guess it was vinyasa. I wonder now, like I look back, I'm like, who, what, what were they trained in? Um, there were a few poses that were introduced to me at that point, And I, w- I started to see that the, you know, the curriculum was actually much larger than I had 
previously understood it to be. Um, there was a point when we were in a wide-legged forward fold, and I remember taking that pose and like popping up and looking around and being like, "Is he serious? Are we supposed to be doing this? This hurts. It burns, you know." Um, and now that's like one of my, that's one of my go-to's, of course. you know. Um, so it was. It started to dawn on me that I there was more to learn and more to do. And when I moved back to DC. I'm from here originally. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived above a yoga studio. And, Which one? Um, inspired yoga, or next door, really, above and next door. Where was that? So on Columbia Road, um, the, it used to be called 18th in Yoga, and it was around the corner where I think Studio DC took over that space. Gotcha. Um, and then it became Yoga Chai later. I don't know if it's now, it's like a some kind of boutique, like... I'm not really sure what it is. It's not a studio anymore. Um, The owner, Kira, moved away to to California. Um, And there were some wonderful teachers there. And um, it was a true vinyasa studio. Later, she took over the spot that became, um, oh, it's, I'm forgetting the name, but it was at U Street. um, U Street. Yeah, yeah. The um, Buddha B. Buddha B. Thank you. So she built that out um, and it became Buddha B later. Um, but before when it was just a little room next door, Mm -hmm. I had no excuse not to go. So that, at that point I started going and I was, I had come back here. I was getting divorced. I was sort of like in a place where I needed, I started to realize it could be more. Mm -hmm. Um, I was sometimes going to two classes a day, that kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So, and she was, it's very serendipitous that you would, that that would happen, right? It was. It was. It was like there were a lot of, um, you know, you look back at things that where the messages were there and you just weren't seeing them yet. Mm -hmm. You know, all the ways in which um, teachers were trying to present themselves. And I wasn't like I just wasn't open yet. Yeah, there's a there's a great line that uh, one of my teachers, Brian Kest, uh, talks about. He talks about an interview he saw with Denzel Washington. And the, the questioner or the interviewer said, you know, Denzel, how do you, how do you do what you do? Like, how do you, how do you, what is your secret to being a good actor? And his reply was pretty simple. He said, um, I simply just get out of the way of myself. Mm. Yeah. Right. And that's like a lot of, a lot of kind of what we just talked about, right? You just, you're, you know, the messages are there, but you're in the way. Yeah, totally. Right? And oh like you, need to, you strip yeah. that away before it can, you know, sink in and you're ready to accept some things that you already know, but because you're so focused on other things, you're, you're not ready to, you know, accept yet. Yeah. That reminds me of a, um, my first teacher training that I led, um, a few years ago, some of my students asked what I did to pre- prepare to teach, like mm-hmm. right before a class, what was my ritual kind of thing? And it occurred to me that it had, had changed and morphed over the years where it used to be that I, you know, made sure I had my sequence memorized or I would look at the names of the students and try to memorize them as well and, like, just be really prepared, like, mm-hmm. in my head, in the game. Um, and then by a few years ago, I realized, like, my ritual was, like, I go to the bathroom, I pee something out, I open the channel, and something comes in. Like, I totally get out of the way. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I'm like an empty vessel, and hopefully something comes through and out me, because I have no, like, say or control over that in some ways. Yeah. So that resonates. But that takes a a lot of experience to be there, to be be intuitive like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, When did you, at what point were you like, 
okay, this yoga stuff is like awesome. Mm. And I think I might want to teach it. Um, I was never at that place. Um, (laughs) The first teacher training I did um, as sort of a way to support my friend who was leading it. Um, Where was that? Was that here? It was at Yoga District. It was their first teacher training, um, and Michelle May was in charge. Um, And you know, I sort of thought of it. She, we were chatting about it, and she's like, "You should do this." And then you know, she was a little tentative about leading it, and. yeah, so she had been a good friend, and it just seemed like a good way to learn more about the other limbs, which she was very good at weaving into class. So it wasn't totally new to me, but um, I had never thought of it as something that I would want to study. And I think at that point, yeah, I was working full-time and um, traveling at least three days a week. So I, right after the teacher training, they, they offered me a class on Monday and a class on Friday. So I did that for, for a while and it was a fun, I started to realize that teaching was a form of practice for me. So, um, it probably was a year of doing that before I started to, um, take it more seriously as something as a field of study that I wanted to, to deepen. Um, there's a lot there. What? Cause I also feel that teaching is a form of practice. How, Mm. How is that for you? Um, you know, it's uh, the first thing they don't tell you is that your your own asana practice goes out the window, right? When you become a teacher, you don't have as much time. Yep. Um, you practice by yourself a lot more. Uh, and I think I started to use it as a, a form of um, connection, just that, that I got that sense of being part of a whole um, and seeing and practicing compassion and practicing kindness. And so it was all of that part of, of yoga that would come out in my teaching. Um, and service work. I mean, there's, you know, (laughs) yeah, your karma yoga. Yeah. So, and I, I don't say that as like, you know, I don't know. That sounds a little like this is my, it's just, it's my way of, uh, especially here in this town. Um, I think people need, they need this more than ever. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways in which we keep the message seems to be get hard, like harden your shell, protect yourself, um, you know, be afraid. And so it's a way of, of practicing a, a a different perspective, a different way of living. Yeah. Rebellion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I feel that I feel the same way. My, uh, if yoga is meant to still the movements of your mind mm-hmm. uh, through focus, then I find nothing focuses me quite like teaching a yoga class where I get to focus on the bodies that are in front of me, yeah. the people that are in the class, and I'm not thinking about anything of my own to-do list. I'm not thinking about you know, the amount of sleep I got last night, right. I'm, I'm totally in a, in a many ways egoless that way yeah. because I have something to do and, and it changes. I'm not multitasking, right? I'm not trying to do a thousand things in one minute. Um, but what I'm doing is seeing one thing, going to the next thing, going to the next thing. And there's a progression that yeah. by the end of the class leaves me feeling very calm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that ability to pay attention for, you know, with pointed focus for that amount of time 
you can't, I mean, that's, that's what it leads to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's yoga. Yeah. Um, that's great. That's beautiful, Chris. Oh, yeah. Um, so what were you doing at this time? Were you, were you a librarian still or were you? Yes. You so, well, sort of. How do you I get got, travel with it being a librarian? I got sucked into, I was in a corporate environment. Um, I was a special librarian. Evil. So, um, <laughs> you're an evil corporate an librarian, evil corporate librarian. Um, <laughs> no, I had many different, I wore lots of different hats and then one day woke up and yeah, I had a job in corporate America, um, at, a company that sold information and I was like how did I get here this was not what I this wasn't a part on. of the plan this was not all. a part of the plan so I started um and I had already been pretty interested in um just wellness and seeing the ways in which um I don't know it, illness affected people in my family and I started to wake up to to how much effort it took to care for the the vessel of our bodies. Um, and I've just always been sort of a nerd about anatomy and, and, um, biomechanics. And it just, as more, um, as more people started practicing yoga and it became like a pathway out, like this could actually be a career. Mm -hmm. Um, I started plotting that. So, (laughs) so I did a few things. Um, I went, through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition Mm -hmm. to to do health coaching um, and went back to school um, with yoga and and did a 500-hour with Dharma Mitra, the Life of a Yogi Mm -hmm. program in New York, um, which was pretty transformational. Yeah. How, um, so tell us a little bit about that. What was that like? Was that a, was that an intensive or was it a, you know, a weekend thing over a year long or how, how did that go? That was more of an intensive. So there were 10 days and then you come back and do, um, self-practice for a couple months and go back and do 10 more days. Um, and then more work after that. So, um, the routine of having a daily practice of meditation and pranayama, that was new to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was a, you know, a recommended diet. Um, we did the same asana practice every day. That's sort of when I finally realized that, that doing one physical practice doesn't sit well with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already had a baby at that point. So, uh, my daughter was about 15 months when I went through that training and, um, there had just been, I think also with, uh, when you go through something that, um, profound physically, everything. I mean, cellularly, you're just a different being. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was way more flexible after I had a a kid. Um, and I just overdid it. That's fascinating. (laughs) Wait, so you are actually, you actually, after you had your kid were more flexible than before. Yeah. Cause I hear lots of stories about mothers who while in pregnancy, right, the hips are super open, you're super flexible. And then immediately they have the kid and then all of a sudden it's everything clamps back interesting and it's really tight yeah so um yeah so while you're pregnant there's the hormone relaxing yeah um and you it, it's definitely like not the kind of flexibility you're you're looking for mm. <laughs> um and so that that was true um i actually had a really difficult pregnancy and had a hard time moving um and so yeah i mean it was a uh, part of it was that i went back to yoga in a different way after pregnancy and Mm -hmm. I, I was, um, longer holds, deeper stretches, um, trying to figure out a way to, um, actually make the poses look like certain shapes. I was really interested in that Mm -hmm. at that point in my life. Um, 
and it became more of a spiritual practice for me. And so I wasn't so um, focused on the way in which I was doing it. I was sort of focusing on um, what I was thinking about while I was doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and or not thinking. Or not thinking. But, yeah. you know, it was a very devotional practice. Um, so uh, in the meantime, I was like, you know, little micro tears in my hamstring attachments. Um, there was some pelvic sort of tilting that had happened during my pregnancy that like never quite went back. So in some ways you are, you're, you're tighter in some places, but you've made, um, compensations in other areas that, you know, then you just, your body is so efficient. It will go right there. And like, (laughs) yeah, like, Oh, you need this to move. Okay. No problem. Um, so it took a while to kind of rehab back from that. So did you, and maybe we can just, uh, I know you're sort of an anatomy dork and mm-hmm. I'm turning into one. So, mm-hmm. um, do you think yoga is the way, or do you think yoga asana, um, can correct these imbalances? Mm. In other words, so I also teach Pilates, for example. Yeah. Um, Pilates is a lot with pre and postnatal, um, positioning of the pelvis, positioning yeah. of the spine, yeah. learning about where your, where your joints are, um, and being able to access areas in ways that stabilize instead of ways that destabilize that if you're not doing yoga correctly, yoga, a lot of times leads to destabilization of joints, right? If you're, if you're pressing, 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 and you got bone on bone and you're no longer, uh, using the muscles, you don't have that tensile strength anymore. Mm-hmm. You can really do damage that way. So how do you, how did you kind of see yoga as helping mm. in that sense? Oh, it, it wasn't helping. That ah. was the problem. Yeah. No, I was trying to, um, you know, I just kept, I, I, and in my head, it was like, I just need to go deeper. I need to, right. Mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, my thoughts aren't pure enough. I mean, it was a very self-flagellating practice for me at that point. Um, there was a lot of sort of dark thoughts that I was working through and I had to go through it. There's no, I don't like, there's no way. There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut. Um, so, you know, I sort of hit the bottom with it. I mean, there was a point where my proximal hamstring tendinopathy was so bad, which is, um, sort of gets dubbed yoga, butt, and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of yoga practitioners assume it just sort of goes with the territory, but, um, may I tell your listeners that if they tell feel us. a stabbing in their butt where it meets their hamstring, that's not okay. Right. <laughs> um, we don't want to, we don't, we're not going for that. Um, so there was a point and you take a lot of forward folds when you're teaching yoga, right? Like you're, that's one of the main things you're demonstrating. You know, you, you do that first sort of bow forward into mm-hmm. Uttanasana with everybody and then you stop and they keep going. Right. So I did that over and over again, multiple times a day. And every time there was a little tear in my eye because it was painful. Yeah. Um, and it took me a long time to find my way out of that. It was, it was not through yoga. It was through, um, I saw an osteopath, I saw a chiropractor, I saw an acupuncturist, yeah. like I started all of these other modalities. Um, and, um, eventually it was, it was really through strength training, um, and, and loading my, my joints in a new way without my body weight. I mean, I could hold my body weight, no problem. Um, but you added like five pounds to my hamstring and it was like, Oh my God, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my 
I going to lift that five pounder? Um, See, I love that because we had, um, you know, Michael Joel Hall, mm, of course. Yeah. yeah. So I frequently see him like I frequently see you um, at gyms and uh, at yeah. other fitness studios around the around the uh, around the town. I see you at at, uh, at Vita U Street sometimes on Saturday. Is that what you're doing? You're, you're doing strength training. I am. I am yeah. doing it there. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I think I think it's really um, it's it's really not great for your body to only do yoga. You know, because there's certain things that we don't, we just don't do in yoga. So yes. And I just think it's really not great for your body to do any one thing. Yeah. So I don't think it's yoga, right? Yeah, like, no, exactly. For, no, yeah, for yeah. People who that. do, yeah. um, people who only do weight lifts or only yeah. run or only, yeah. 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 It's like, and it's, that's why, you know, sitting gets a bad rap. It's like sitting's not bad for you. It's just, if you sit all day, you know, standing all day is no better. Like we, <laughs> really yeah, need to yeah. vary it up. Um, and so, you know, and I just, I think movement is so fascinating, but we're already moving too, like in all of the ways. So I'm not really interested in when people come to class and they're just like at the beginning, yoga asana is very exciting because it's so extreme in some ways, like it's specialized movement. It's not functional. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's exciting for the body to, to go in this direction that it hasn't gone before because your neuropathways are like lighting up. Your brain is like, what is this map? I've never been here before. But it's not new territory. It's still your body. It's still your land, right? Mm -hmm. And so whatever way in you can get to understand yourself and the way you can move in the best way in all the different ways, we should be able to do all of it, right? Um, but at this stage in my life, I'm interested in the ways in which I can be most useful to the rest of my life. You know, like if I slip on the ice, I want to be able to get right back up. If I need to put something in a high cabinet, I want to be just like reach my arms overhead and flex my shoulder joints mm -hmm. in a healthy way so that I don't feel pain afterwards. I had pain in my elbow for putting my daughter down in the, the crib the wrong way for <laughs> a over long, and over, over, and over and over again yeah. to, so as not to disturb her precious sleep, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and if I had been doing something to like balance that out, I might not have felt that kind of pain and, and which leads to like this whole mind body, you know, shit storm. Ooh, can I say that? Of course. Um, <laughs> um, where you're, you're feeling like, you know, that, that can start to spiral. It's like, Oh, my daughter won't sleep. She won't like, because I feel a little pang of pain, you start to like create these narratives. Right. So it's all mm -hmm. connected. And, um, yeah, so I use, I don't do a lot of, um, I, not like a big weightlifter or anything, but even the littlest amount of pulling <laughs> yeah. has been phenomenal. It feels great. Doesn't oh it? my God. It feels so good. Hanging. Yeah. I, like, I can't lift my whole body up from the hang, yeah. but I'm getting there and it's, it feels great. And I, my, my partner in crime is another local Ashtanga teacher. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. so it's fun to, yeah, it's so, know. it's so much fun. I think, um, one of the things that I love about it since, I mean, I work at a gym and it's like a big, you know, grown up playground. Yeah. I like to say it's not an adult playground. It's a grown up playground. That's yes. so different. Yeah. Yes, different. Okay. Yes, adult playgrounds are, are other things. <laughs> oh, yes. I see. Yes. Um, so uh, I have all this stuff around me all the time, and you know, my curiosity just takes over. And one of the things that I, for the longest time, you know, I, I grew up playing sports and especially football and baseball, and 
a lot of these things are, you know, you're doing bench presses, you're doing squats, you're doing really explosive, powerful movements. Uh, and so when I got to yoga, doing things like uh, arm balances and handstands and um, chaturanga, things like that, those mm-hmm. were great because I, my body had already been primed for those, those pushing yeah. things. Uh, and what I never really did was anything with pulling. Uh, and once I found, you know, pull-ups, like, I mean, if you ask me to do pull-ups, like after this session, I will go do pull-ups with you wherever. Like I love doing pull-ups. I love doing pull things. I I just love working my back muscles now because they were so just, um, sleepy. Yeah. No, it's exactly (laughs) it. Yeah. Yeah. Those, um, yeah, those lats, serratus anterior, the, the thing I'm most curious about now is how to bring that into the yoga room because I think some people are, they're purists and they, that's where they feel most comfortable. And I get that. I still want to call myself a yoga teacher, even though I do some weird stuff now in my classes. Um, and really for me, it's just about waking them up. Like how can we activate something so that your awareness is there? And when you lift your leg, you are using your hamstring to lift it. You're not using your low back, you know? So how can we bring that in? And, um, and there's lots of really cool people out there showing us now they're leading the way. Um, and I've, so I've learned a lot online. I found um, a teacher this summer that looked really interesting, and she was offering the yoga tune-up training. That's Jill Miller's program. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of her. Tell um, us. So Jill Miller has um, something called the Roll Method, and her company, Tune-Up Fitness, has lots of different way, types of training, but she has one that's a yoga training. Mm-hmm. Um, so this teacher, Laurel Beaversdorf, was posting some things online with resistance bands and she just looked interesting. And I'm so glad that she was putting herself out there um, because I wouldn't have known her. She's in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. So I did that training with another local teacher, Claire Kelly. Mm -hmm. Um, We went up to New York and um, that woke me up to the ways in which you can, you can still call it yoga (laughs) and um, let it evolve. And, um, and I really think that if some of these master teachers were still alive, we, the practice would be growing and living. And that's part of why I call um, what I do living yoga. My teacher training is called living yoga. Um, I don't want to do the one thing for the rest of my life. Like I don't want to do the same sequence. I don't want to, I even love to invent, you know, movements and give them names like this is this movement if it if it gives if you give it a name does it make it legitimate (laughs) like are you gonna think that this is an actual thing because it it's called something Mm -hmm. you know the way these poses have names um so i i find that part is really creative and exciting and it it's it sort of pulled me back in after a couple of years of feeling like maybe yoga's not really holding me anymore holding my attention yeah, I mean, yeah. once you get into the once you get into the biomechanics of of yoga, mm-hmm. uh, you really stop becoming a yoga asana teacher and start becoming a movement specialist. Mm. Yeah, um, that's the way I like to think of myself yeah. as, um, because what we are talking about, especially in a fifty-five minute yoga class or even a seventy-five minute yoga class, what we're teaching is ninety-five percent of it is you're moving your body, yeah. um, and making people aware of how they're moving their body. That's fantastic. So, you know, whether people want to call it yoga, people want to call it, it's just a name. It's just a, it's just a brand. Yeah. What you're trying to do is, is teach something to, to somebody in a way, uh, that allows them to learn about their body, um, in a non-competitive and non-judgmental way. Um, and the more you know about your body, the more you can activate certain muscles in your body. Well, the more you're going to be able to use your body in everyday life. 
Yeah. Right. If we can teach people how to use glute muscles, mm-hmm. um, doing like bird dog, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. Um, well, then that's great. That means they can start using their glute muscles when they start walking instead of just using their thighs and their calf muscles. Right. So they don't feel burning in their legs all the time right. and don't feel anything in their butts. Right. Um, so I think that's great. I think more yoga teachers should do interdisciplinary trainings um, like like more study in 500 hour teacher trainings in biomechanics, um, more trainings with stuff like Pilates. Um, and Pilates is just yoga basically. (laughs) Right. I mean, in a lot of ways, Pilates is just yoga and yoga is just Pilates. I mean, there's, they're, they're just movement brands Mm. uh, that have names and they're done in different ways. Pilates is a little different because it's more about strengthening, not so much about stretching, but it's still body weight. It's still body weight movement. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the more we can bring that into yoga classes, I think, you know, the, the, the richer the, the, the experience will be. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I feel like there is still something beyond the movement that has, has kept me in this field. Oh, sure. Right? So, um, and to me, what happened is that my mind tends to like take over everything. And I think there's all different kinds of practitioners. Some of them are more in the you know, the, the intellectual realm, like they feel comfortable with their thoughts right. <laughs> and they need the information. Um, some just with the body, they just move and breathe. And, um, for some, it's like more of a spiritual thing. Like there's all, you know, ways in which we enter the practice and, and touch into ourselves. Right. Um, and for me, when I can allow it to be like from the gross to the subtle, um, that doesn't happen for me and other types of modalities. Um, uh, so how do you bring that into your teaching? So I, I mean, it's probably something that I, uh, still, I still work on every time because I am so focused on the gross and I still, I find there's so much that I have to get out of the way <laughs> in order to, to rest in that stillness in that still place. Um, and just I just remember you got to save something so that they'll come back. <laughs> um, good point. Right. Good you gotta, point. you gotta leave them wanting more. Yeah. So, so yeah. you don't have to say it all in one class. That's what I always keep telling just myself. Drip it in. Yeah, exactly. Um, just a little bit. That's hilarious. Yeah. No, I think that there's something about that, that final rest that is really special and unique and people do keep coming back for it. I had one teacher tell me no one ever complained about too long of a Shavasana, like That's when right. in doubt. Right. Um, and I, I don't think that it's just, I used to teach as the Shavasana was the peak pose every class. That was my peak. Um, and I don't think I'd do that anymore. I'm really interested in educating people. Um, and I love, I love teacher training because I think it's, I, I wish there was another way to to get serious students and pull them in. Um, for some reason, it got called teacher training. And yeah, now we should stop with the teacher training <laughs> right? thing. There's I mean, not, right? Uh, there's got to be another way because there's this idea that like to it be should a, be called yoga training. Yoga training. Just yoga training. Yeah, just or yoga education. It's just like further studies of. It's not that different from the class. It's just we have more time together, right? Yep. Um, but this idea that the only serious yogis or to be a yogi, you have to be a teacher. It's ridiculous. Not all of us were meant to be yoga teachers. Um, I still question every day. I'm like, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Is there some other way? 
Um, you know what? I, I like that. And next mm. year I'm calling my yoga teacher training just a 200 hour yoga training. That's great. That's all. That's what I'm going to do. You're just going to do it. Yeah. I'm just going to do start, it you're because you're I can pave the way. Cause, you, yeah. <laughs> cause you're in charge. Because, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I mean, my t- training is like in my basement studio. I could do what I were. Yeah. Ask Kelly. Um, yeah, no, I think that it's, it's exciting to work with people who actually want to learn more, um, and be serious about it because it is a discipline and it does take a lot of time. And you're like, our time is really our, our biggest commodity at this point, right? Like our attention, mm-hmm. everybody wants our attention. So if you can take all of that and put it on something like this, it can only yield better results for the whole world. Right. Um, I keep believing that cause that keeps me going, <laughs> but oh, I, right. I don't, I see that happening in other, there's lots of different types of modalities that have these trainings. Um, there's not a lot of it going on in DC. It's like, seems like Canada is a good place to be. Really? <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of cool Canadians. Um, but you see ways in which people are using functional movement and bringing it into the class, but they still keep coming back to the yoga room because there's something special happening there. Um, and this idea you know, Richard Freeman, I think, is um, the one who put this idea in my head where we think of yoga as union, but he calls it linking. And so it's this idea that, like, when you spend time in that space between, you're linking it together. So it's not about these two things merging as, like, two whole things coming together. Mm-hmm. It's, like, really that, like, like, where the inhale meets the exhale but the space between the thoughts like that experience I don't have that anywhere else except for my yoga practice which which looks very different than it used to I mean it um we're talking a lot about movement but I spend a lot of time in my house where I'm just I'm just chanting with my harmonium like I'm just singing tell us about that um how did you get into that a lot to say uh (laughs) no how did you (laughs) get into that private practice okay no problem Uh, no 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 I'm just saying it's not like a you, you don't put it on Instagram. Like it's not right. super sexy. I think that's part of the problem is that we don't see a lot of the other ways in which, you know, yoga can be, um, practiced that it's not visual. It's not externalized. Um, I guess you could hear it, but even with chanting, it's not something, it's not a performance, right? It's, uh, yeah. um, you know, touching into that eternal of the ohm. Um, so I got into that. That was something that I did take away from, um, the Dharma Yoga Center. Mm-hmm. There was uh, one class at the end of class. He, he in the olden days he used to turn up the music um, and just have you sing along. I think he has a band now, and um, I don't go up to New York very often to see him. But that was um, my eyes rolling. Um, there's there's more going on, <laughs> um, but he, it was an experience. I had sung as a child. I was in a choir, and then um, I sang a lot as a younger person and just hadn't sung in a long time. And, um, at that point, my, my mother was dying of cancer and, um, she had been a very religious person and I had never really adopted her way of her, her faith. Mm -hmm. Um, and it occurred to me, he was turning up the music and he's like, sing as if you're singing into the face of God. And I had that, that same eye roll that you just had. I had a moment where I was like resisting, you know, like bristles are up. Um, and then it occurred to me that if she could see what was happening, that it was the same as what she experienced when she went to church that I never could feel. Mm. And I, I felt so much love and I just felt like this whole like blanket of love over everybody. And it, it was just a moment 
and you know sort of came out of this state of like tears streaming down my face and like feeling like oh my god we are made of love and we are all loved and that full connection like everybody was the same that divine spark like I really understood it and spent a couple years after that trying to get back like I I had it created an attachment to that Mm -hmm. feeling I wanted to get it back I never really got it back there um so it was that it was that birth when you realized you could be spiritual without being religious in a lot of ways yeah where it could like in other words you could be you could be spiritual in your own way without following dogma yeah yeah and I don't think I meant to have so my main teacher these days is Christina Sell Mm -hmm. um she was an Anusara teacher um and I don't think I meant to just have one teacher but she is not somebody who's dogmatic in a way that's like I'm your guru you know Mm -hmm. um she follows a guru principle which is like you know sometimes it's the wall is your guru sometimes it's your child sometimes you know there's lots of ways in which you can see a teacher um but I she has never said anything that made the she only makes the seeker in me stand up like I've never felt like a wall go up like I'm not sure about that thing so and I don't think that's going to happen every time she opens her mouth I want more Mm -hmm. Um, so I do feel really connected to her, but I also feel like there's more that I have to learn. That's not just from her. Um, I'd love to study more Sanskrit. I would love to, you know, there's lots of places to go. Um, oh yeah. I mean, don't you sometimes feel like a fraud when you're doing yoga teacher training? Oh, I mean, yeah. Imposter syndrome is a real thing. You're like, Um, you're like, wait a minute. Like, I really don't know anything about this stuff. Well, and it's I mean, like, like you do, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's they're so vast that like you you can't possibly you know with certainty, you yeah. know, just stand up and be like, I know all about this yoga, and what I'm telling you is. Yeah. Well, I think it would be a problem if if you had a teacher that thought they knew all of that. I mean, the way I open the teacher training is um, one of the books we used with one of the trainings I did with Christina is called the courage to teach by Parker Palmer. Who's um, not a yoga teacher, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not a yoga book. It's a book about teaching. And um, there's a model that he, um, he presents about learning and it's, it's not a top down. This is the expert. um, And the, the subject will carry down, you Mm -hmm. know, through them. It's like, we're all, sort of coming around the subject together. And so I have so much to learn from the students and especially this group I have going right now is like, um, diverse in so many different ways. And we're talking about things that I, I can't possibly be an expert about because they're still evolving in the yoga world in a way that's like in real time, you Mm -hmm. know, trauma informed teaching, cultural appropriation, this whole issue of like the me too movement <laughs> changing everything we're doing with hands-on assists. And I mean, it's, it, how has that changed? Um, I think it's as like, I start my own yoga teacher training, that's, this would be definitely something to, yeah. I mean, I think we, I, what I think is a problem is that 200 hours is not enough. <laughs> um, yes. and so it's all backwards. It's like 300 hours is sort of too much, um, for later when you want to like get uh, specific Mm -hmm. you know so it should be sort of the other way around like 300 and then 200 maybe because Mm -hmm. the people who want to do 300 hour trainings are full-time yoga teachers and they can't afford 300 hour trainings um and it becomes a mishmash because you do a lot of review you're not sure what people know um from their 200 hour um but I have 200 hours of content that don't include any of these newer concepts right. or these, these sort of 
new approaches and I've had to add it in and it has to be a living, breathing thing that I'm ready to change um, and bring other people in um, for topics I'm not, I I don't feel like I'm equipped to to speak to. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet we're sort of beholden to at least a hundred hours or something about just the poses. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's just really interesting. I I think um, you're never going to feel, I've learned so much through teaching and I, I hope that every time I start a new training that I'm going to learn something else. Like if I get to a place where I'm like, ah, I did this already, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's probably time to pass it to somebody else. Right. Um, and that, that day might come because I'm really interested in working with people and at a different level. And I'm not so interested in the the alignment of the poses anymore. Um, so it's going to be hard to like keep going back and talking about that stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but when I have students asking me questions where I'm like, God, that's a great question. And the answer is always, it depends, or I have no freaking idea. Let's find out together. That's exciting. Yeah. And I think a lot of, I mean, to me, I'm a big, like Yana Yogi, like Mm -hmm. I'm all about like reading, you know, old yoga texts and Mm -hmm. gleaning information from that. And, uh, um, yoga is so much about the traditional yoga is so much about the experience that one has. Uh, with the divine, um, and that can take so many different forms. Right? One of my biggest sayings is, you know, the truth is one, but has many names. Mm. Um, and that, when people ask me a question, my immediate response is almost always, "Well, what do you think?" Yeah. You know, because what I'm gonna say is not only gonna be informed by what I've learned and what I've read, but also what I'm feeling, my own experiences that I've had in my entire life. which are totally different than yours. Um, Even if you are another, you know, 42-year-old white male with red hair who went to boarding school, you're probably going to have many, many different experiences than I have. And so you're, like, what I'm telling you is not going to be the answer. It's just going to be what the answer is through my experience. And so, yeah, it's it's tricky because you want to tell the student everything. You want them to be like, okay, now I understand because you told me the answer doesn't work that way right right just doesn't work that way no um and the other thing I, I wanted to get at was so i teach my yoga teacher training with julia romano yeah um and she doesn't do any hands-on assists um and i do hands-on assists um and so what we tell our students is look if you want to do them like we're going to offer this to you and you can learn this we're going to teach you some basic ones mm-hmm. um but in general, like we tell both sides of the story. In other words, yeah. people who don't want to do them, people who do them and why and why it's important to make sure that, you know, if you are going to do them, make sure you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to do them, totally cool. Right. Yeah. You can be a good yoga teacher and never put your hands on. Anybody. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I've moved away. I don't do a lot. Um, and I usually only touch the students that... Um, I know very well and very familiar with their practice. Um, I know that they, they benefit from them. They've actually verbalized that to me. Like I really mm-hmm. learn a lot from that kinesthetic imprint of you, like putting me in the place, the, the place where you're trying to verbalize to me. Um, not everybody's an auditory learner, you know, and I use a lot of words. Um, and so, and not everybody's a visual learner to then see it outside of themselves. They need that, that new way to understand it. Um, but I don't think it's, uh, I've had a, a few experiences where 
a couple things happen. One, I've experienced that craving that is that you feel from students who really want the hands-on, and I, I think that comes from we have a culture where we don't touch each other, and yeah. it's, it's and that's sad. one of the and reasons like, I do hands-on adjustments yeah, because we should be yeah, yeah, which is wonderful. Like, and it doesn't have to be a lot. Like, just like a hand on your back in child's pose, it doesn't even have to be pressing, right? It's just like that touch is so powerful and so charged, and it's about connection. So if that's what's leading to it, that's great. Um, but I sensed that it was sort of like when people are coming to yoga for that and needing that for me, that it drains me and that I don't, I'm not a manual therapist. Like I don't have a massage training or Mm -hmm. a background in that where you have that barrier. Same with like psychology. Like I didn't, health coaching was hard for me because I didn't have the barrier with like the psychic, you know, like. I just pulled everybody's energy in. I'm an empath. So I was like, oh, you're addicted to caffeine? No problem. I'll take that from you. And yeah. like, so um, I needed to protect myself. And I think that's really important as a teacher. Um, and also, I just don't think, I'm holding space for the whole room. And when you focus in on one person, it's it's really sweet. But that's not what the group drop-in class is about. You know, it's a collective experience. And so, um, yeah, so sometimes if I'm, I'm able to, I, I can hold the space for the whole room and hone in on one person's needs, but more often than not, I, I want them to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. I want it to be on them. Um, and I think that in general, like if, if the risk is that you're going to disturb somebody's peace of mind, <laughs> um, or make them feel unsafe or make them feel, um, sort of like kick up their nervous system, that the risk isn't worth it. Like the benefits of like that one little you know, assist in a, getting them into a deeper twist wasn't worth like yeah. what it caused in like somebody next to them who felt like you were coming, you know? <laughs> so that's my thinking these days about it. Yeah. It might shift and change. What, uh, so tell us, tell us some of the resources that you look to, like whether it's on the web mm. or whether it's in books or whether it's a podcast well, I, I'm... Or that you've been into, like, the last yeah. you know, months, years, whatever. Yeah. Um, I have a problem buying yoga books. I do, too. How That's many copies of the Yoga Sutras do you have? Um, oh, the sutras are, like, the least of the problems really? right now. Yeah. Okay. No, I've, I probably have, like, five. I think of the sutras... I mean, they're helpful. I like the sutras. Um, they're a little bit like... Someone described it once as, like... Like the, that poster of the kitty that's like, hang in there, you know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that it, yes. they're helpful in that sense. Like, oh yeah, go back to this. Like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Um, but, um, I wear my, because I'm such a body person, a lot of my books are more in the anatomy world. What's um, your favorite anatomy book? Um, oh or your gosh. top three. Ooh. Um, you're really going to do this. Okay. Um, I like uh, Bernie Clark. Is that his name? I, I'm really bad with like names okay. of books and authors. Um, your Body, Your Yoga. That's a good one. Um, I like um, Katie Bowman, I think is amazing. She's a biomechanist, not a yoga person, but mm-hmm. um, move your DNA. Um, and then Todd Hargrove. I'm reading his book right now, and the name has escaped me. Uh I'll think of it yeah. after we're done. 
Um, any any websites apps you use? I use I've been using recently one called Complete Complete Anatomy. I love Complete Anatomy. Yeah, um, it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. I feel like like when I'm on the metro or I'm in a, an Uber or something, I can yeah. like like dork out and just like look at the shoulder yeah. for like 20 minutes. You know. So that was one fun thing about the yoga tune-up training is that. Um, you can so I have a I have a private class in my house once a week and I'm able to use a lot more of the toys so we use the tune-up balls and foam rolling and mm -hmm. resistance bands and you can really give people a, a little lesson about their body and like how it works and what's going on and here's how this muscle contracts concentrically and here's how it contracts mm -hmm. eccentrically and this is what it does most of the day and this is the awareness we're going to bring and just a little self-massage rolling on a ball can do wonders for your attention and your awareness of, of what's happening and when you can empower people to understand their bodies and how they work that way I think mm -hmm. it's it's a game changer it's like way more than I could ever teach them about themselves it's them learning what's happening inside of themselves. And so um, as we move from that sort of um, experience of where they are in space and time, the sort of proprioceptive experience of the practice, they can actually get into the interoceptive experience, which mm -hmm. is like feeling yourself from the inside. <laughs> um, and that to me is like, for I never really understood Shavasana until I had a better understanding of how... Um, sensing yourself from the inside out and then letting go of the senses. It was like, I thought it would stop there, you know? <laughs> um, but it's like, you keep going down and in. And I'm, that's, for me, that's the practice is a down and in practice. I think mm -hmm. for some people it's an up and out practice. Um, they want to escape their bodies, but I'm like, we have a body and we got to deal with it. You know, what are you going to do? So getting through that is um, kind of where I land. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still a runner? You know, running is an exaggeration of what I do. Um, <laughs> it's Power a, walking, is no, that what we're I talking jog. about? I jog. I <laughs> jog. I love a three-mile jog. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm I'm old now, and my creaky bones don't love the, like, pounding right. on pavement. I love hiking in Rock Creek Park. Mm -hmm. um, being outside, I think, is part of why I would go for a run would be just to be outside. Like, I would never go to the gym and get on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, that's kind of where that I take long walks. And where can we find you if we want to take your class? I oh, that's a good question. Um, I teach at Past Tense in Mount Pleasant, which is where I live in my childhood home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's a sweet neighborhood near Columbia Heights, if you're not familiar, and um, Flow Yoga Center, which is on P and Fourteenth, there are two studios. Um, and I mostly teach daytime classes. Um, my husband's schedule is a little wonky these days, so I'm home with my, my kid for mm -hmm. the evenings, and it's a nice balance. And you're just a full-time yoga teacher now? Um, yeah, I don't know what that means, but... I'm, well, you're no longer a librarian. I'm no longer An a librarian. An evil librarian. I'm no longer... <laughs> this is terrible. I was, I was my mom was a librarian. I, I really? loved one, yes, and, and it was fantastic. Great. Yes, she was... Oh most wonderful mother I still, in the world like and when anybody needs to hire somebody i'm like find a librarian yeah they're just really good yeah. people helpful helpful um so yeah no i'm not doing I, I my main my only source of income is through yoga <laughs> is that help yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. um cool yeah. all right well thank you for stopping by today alicia thanks for having me chris yeah this, was fun. this is a really really cool yeah um 
So uh, if you have any questions, comments, uh, you can be, I can be found at dcyogapodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you next time on DC Yoga Podcast. Take care.